belongs to you. And we give it to you. All right. Have fun. Have fun giving this morning. Okay, good morning everybody. Part number two. For the people who are not here, this is the week before we had our guest speaker last week, so it was, is it Labor Day weekend? Yeah, so there were a lot of people away on holiday and taking a break. So I'll be doing part two today of what we started that Sunday, so if some of it is is new or you didn't get it, it's on the website, so if you just go to the Harvest on your website, you can listen to part one, and today is just a, a continuation of that. For those of you who were here, just pretend you didn't hear it, and it's amazing revelation, and say, Jesus, you're great. Okay. So, just for those who were not here, just a little run-through of what we were talking about. This is still busy on the Sermon on the Mount topic, and the topic for this one was living free from fear and anxiety. How is that possible? Because if Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled, it should be possible for us to live without troubled hearts. Jesus is not going to say something and then just not make it be true. So it should be possible for us to live free from fear. Because Jesus says, do not fear. God says, do not fear. So why is there so much fear? How do you get into fear or how does fear get into you? So that's where we started off. That's what we are looking at. So we're going to do some teaching today. Preaching is proclaiming. Teaching is explaining. So how does one get free? How do you live a life free from fear and anxiety? We looked at, um, in the old King James, it spells it out very, very clear. Matthew 6, and Jesus gives us the answer. There. He talks in Matthew 6 about, he says, Why do you take a thought? Why do you take a thought? Why do you take a thought? And then in 6.33, he says, from 31 to 33, Jesus says, Why? Do you take a thought by saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? So that's the process. The enemy can put thoughts in our mind. How many of us know that? So we have to check every thought that comes to mind. Hence, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. Take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience if it does not line up with the Word of God. So, not all our thoughts come from God. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, in other words, Paul is writing, there will be thoughts of condemnation that come to you, child of God. But don't take them by saying. Don't take them by meditating. Don't take that thought and say, that's me. Look what I've done. This is who I am. I can't change. Don't do that. Because there is therefore now, when is now now, always, there is therefore now no condemnation for you and I who are in Christ Jesus. So the thought that comes to condemn is not of God if the word says do not take that thought. But how many people who go to church meditate on those thoughts that the enemy puts in their mind especially when they do something wrong. 
Now you want to go and pray for someone in the healing line, and as soon as you want to lay your hand on them, the enemy says, oh, I know what you did last night. Now you think God's going to heal these people through you? How can you do that? You did this, you did that, and now faith has gone out the window because you're looking at yourself, not to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Therefore, he says, no condemnation. So not every thought that comes to our minds is from God. And Jesus says, if a thought does not line up with the word of God, don't take that thought and make it your own. By saying, what are we going to do? Because I'm not going to have enough money. The Bible says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Doctor says you're going to die. Bible says, by his stripes we were healed. So for everything that the enemy brings, there is a scripture, there is a word in here to counteract that thought that the enemy brings, which is on the negative side. So Jesus tells us, do not think on everything that comes to mind. So that's just a little overview of what we did the first week. We'll look at that. If we look at Matthew 5, 27 to 28, it says, uh, You have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus says, it was said to people of old in the Lord, don't commit adultery. But Jesus says, if you have looked at a woman with lust in your heart, you have already done it. That's as good as a sinner's adultery. You've committed it in your heart. It's as good as being guilty of doing that very act. And we get caught up with this verse because look what Jesus says. Jesus says clearly at the end, he says, committed adultery with her in his heart. Catch this, not mind. Because the enemy can bring a thought to your mind. That doesn't mean you've partaken of that sin. Okay, so I'll take my own life, for example. Just got saved, loved Jesus, man, radically. He just changed my life within, like Pastor Doug said today, within an instant. All my sin, I just felt so clean. Everything I'd done was gone. Man, Jesus is amazing. I've never heard this. I'm in my 20s, and I'm hearing the gospel of grace for the first time, and it's just phenomenal. Now I go to church, and while I'm sitting in church, I'm looking at the worship leader, a lady, and I have the most perverse thoughts that you can imagine. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is, am I really saved? Can this be? Now I want to raise my hands, but I can't because I've got these thoughts. And I don't want to do that, but I can't sing. And now God is going to be angry because how can I think this? And am I not saved? Was I? And you see what happened? I explained it like a bird flying over your house. You cannot stop a bird from flying over your house, but you can stop him from nesting in your roof. So I was sitting there in church loving Jesus, and the enemy put that thought in my mind. It's not in my heart yet. He puts it in my mind, and I didn't know this revelation. So I took that thought as being my own. And it was not. I'm there to worship Jesus. But now this filthy, horrible thought comes to my mind. And now I think I'm guilty of that thought. And my thoughts are bad. And how can I be thinking that? Meanwhile, that's not my thought. 
So I go to someone and I say, listen, I'm in trouble. I don't even know if I'm saved. And they laughed and they just explained. They said, oh, that's so easy to explain. That's not your thought. The fact that you feel bad about having that thought shows you that that is not your thought. That's the enemy. How many of you, and raise your hand, have ever had a filthy dream that you have woken up from and thought, I, I don't even want to. That is so... Yeah, look, we laugh. Look at the hands. And then when we wake up, what's the first reaction? You feel bad. You feel icky. You feel dirty. Because that's not me. I didn't go to bed planning on having a filthy dream like that. But I still had it. Was that dream me? No, it wasn't. That was the enemy who waits till I'm at rest when I can't fight back and puts that thing on me and says, this is who you are. And now you wake up feeling condemned. Meanwhile, Romans 8 one says, there is therefore now no condemnation. So the dreams that we have that are bad, that are dirty, they are not our dreams. They do not come from us. So Jesus says here, because you see, you can literally, me, when, when I got this revelation, when Jesus is working in my life, I used to live a very immoral life. Okay, I was filthy, dirty as a male, just bad. I would literally be on my bike, motorbike, whatever, at a, a, a robot, a, 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 a stoplight. And a woman would walk past. This is the gospel truth. And the wind at that very moment would blow. And her dress would come up. And I'm standing there praising Jesus on the bike. I'm in love with the Lord. And now I have this visual right in front of me. That's how the enemy works. Now Jesus says, if you look at that woman with lust in your heart, it's like adultery. But when I'm just standing there minding my own business, going to work, praising Jesus, and that happens, that's not lust in my heart. That's the enemy bringing something to my mind. And now he wants to say, meditate. Ooh, look, think upon. How would that be? Go on, take it a little further. Let that thought become your meditation so it can come down into your heart and now you can say, wow, that was, I wonder how. I, and now he's got you. Now Jesus says, if you've allowed that thought to go from here to here, that's wrong. That's you because you've allowed it. Therefore, take every thought. Every in the Greek means every there's no pick and choose this one and that one. I don't know what number it is in the Strong's Concordance, but it means every. If it does not line up with God's thoughts, with God's words, take that captive and say, no, this part has been sold out to Jesus. There is no more place for that trash in my mind, in my soul, in my will. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, out. This is not going to be a playground for what the enemy used to use for making me lie at night on my bed and play the movie over and over and over and over until I dream about it, then I wake up and feel it's just an evil snowball. That's why Jesus says, hey, if it's in here, that's just the enemy. That's not you. Don't threat because out of your spirit can come love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, temperance, goodness, self-control, all of those. Those nine fruit of the Spirit, 
That, that's what comes out of you. Because you are reborn. That's your spirit. That's what you think upon. But now when the things come that do not line up with that, do not meditate. If there is no purity, if there's nothing good, if there's nothing true, if it's not noble, if it's not honest, do not think upon these things. Because that's where it starts. The enemy puts that thought there, and now it goes down and it wants to get in. That's where the enemy wants to get it, into your heart. And we can check ourselves by that, because Jesus says in Luke 6.45, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you and I can look each other in the eye, and we can say, man, my conversations are about Jesus. When we speak to someone, doesn't matter what you start off with, it ends up with Jesus. Because he's just so full in our hearts. That, that is the abundance of our hearts. Talk about a job. Talk about health. Talk about whatever. It's just, man, God did this, and God's going to do this, and God is so great. And can I tell you what Jesus did? Because that's in abundance in our hearts. It wasn't that way before we knew Jesus. When I got together with my friends before I knew the Lord, I shudder to think of what came out of my mouth because that was in my heart. But praise God, he has taken that heart of stone away out, completely shattered it and put in a heart of flesh that just seeks and loves Jesus. And now when that thought comes, when that condemning thought comes, when anything of that comes, I know where it comes from. And I say, no more off limits, this belongs to God. That's why Jesus says, if you've committed adultery in your heart, not in your mind. I've got a three-year-old wonderful little boy, and sometimes I say to him, do this, and he doesn't do that. You know what thought comes to my mind immediately after that? And every thought that doesn't line up with what God says, you have to take captive. And we who are parents, we who deal with other people, teachers, whoever, Every now and then something happens. You drive in a car and someone cuts you off immediately right in front of you. Many, many times, what's the next thought that comes to your mind? Don't raise your hand and tell us. But that's the enemy. And now he says, take that thought and say it. Make that thought your own. Because he's there. And we'll read just now about wisdom that descends from above and wisdom that comes from the pit of hell. We'll read about that just now. So, child of God, when you have that thought, it's not you. Don't get bent out of shape. You can just say, that is not me. I do not want to think about that stuff anymore. That's the last thing on my mind is that trash and that filth that I used to be in. It's like the pig coming out of that clay and that mire and that mud to be clean, and I don't want to go back to that anymore. So that's what Jesus is saying over there through that. Praise God for His goodness and grace. Okay. Now, Psalms 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. What we said two weeks ago is that you and I, man, cannot have an original thought. You cannot think of something and say... I have thought of something that no one has ever thought of before. You may be, it's, it's possible, not likely, but possible that you are the first human being 
to have ever had that thought. But before that, either God or the enemy thought that thought and put it in your mind. You and I cannot have an original thought that no being has ever thought before. So check the thoughts that come to your mind. So David here writes and he says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Where did that thought come from? From God. Here's this guy, I don't know where he was when he wrote, maybe looking after sheep, maybe in the king's palace. But he has a thought. And this thought is, man, this mouth of mine needs to be controlled. That's definitely from God. That's definitely from God. Control that mouth rifle. So David has this thought, and he writes it down, and he says it. Because Jesus said, don't take thought by saying, what are we going to eat, what are we going to drink? So on the flip side of the coin, take a thought by saying it. Jesus says, control your mouth. Okay, how am I going to do this? Say what God is saying. God gives David a thought. Help me to control my mouth. I can't do this by myself. Help me. Put a guard here. Do something about this mouth. So now David gets that thought from God. He repeats it to God, and then God can make his word come to pass. So we take God's thoughts, we say them, and then we, 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 we place into motion on the earth God's will here on earth as it is in heaven. So David prays this. Set a God, O Lord, over my mouth. Now in the new covenant we have that God. We have that protector of the mouth because Proverbs says that life and death are in the power of our tongue. That's how powerful words are. Just in the natural, your yes and your no is so powerful. Just in the natural, you can stand, nothing happens without words. I mean, your yes and your no is so powerful, you can stand in front of a minister, and we were at a wedding yesterday, and you can promise everything to everybody, and the minister can say, do you take this man to be, and you can say no. And you know what? That wedding's not going to happen. That, that communion is gone. It's broken just through your no. That's how powerful that word yes or no is. That's how powerful the words are that we carry every day. Just by saying yes or no. So saying yes or no to God, how much more power does that carry in our lives? So here, let's go to the book of James. Because this I've heard so many times just wrong. Uh, James chapter 3. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. You see, words make the body go in certain directions. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths so that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder whether the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest fire, uh, a, little kindle, a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. Look now, for every kind of beast and bird 
of reptile and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Now verse 8 is the problem. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. And James goes on, we'll read just now, but he says in verse 8, he says, man cannot tame the tongue. And now you'll hear people say, well, you see, the Bible says that I just let rip. I mean, we can't, you know. Bible says, it's not talking here about that man. He says, man can tame any beast. I mean, you see, it's ridiculous. People have got bears riding little bicycles and lions and elephants and all these, to me, you have your own opinion, cruel things that animals should not be doing. But man has tamed every beast. That's how powerful man is. I mean, you stand in front of a lion or a tiger and the power that those animals have and, and here you've got a whip and you make them jump through hoops and that man's amazing. Man is amazing. They've tamed every beast that exists, yet man cannot tame his own tongue. So now people take that verse and they say, you see the Bible says we cannot contain, we cannot tame, we can't. It's not talking about you. You cannot, but the Holy Spirit can. So there's no excuse to say, ah, I can't help it. I just, you know, say it as it is. That's just what can, no, 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 no. Man cannot tame his tongue, but the Holy Spirit can. And the Holy Spirit will be that God that David prayed in the Old Covenant before Jesus went to the cross, before the Holy Spirit came and said, Dear God, help us. Give us a way. Please do something so that this tongue can be contained. Jesus going to the cross. Holy Spirit, there, David, your prayer is answered. And we have it, every one of us here. You have it. Before you want to say that word, before you want to let out in anger, before you the Holy Spirit, uh-uh-uh, don't go there. Don't go there. Who's married? Don't say that. Don't say that. But, the, uh-uh-uh. And the Holy Spirit is there all the time. Jesus says in John 16, He says, How be it, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will lead you and guide you in all truth. He will show you things to come. In other words, God is always speaking. He's always giving us thoughts, concepts, ideas. But sometimes they're so different from the world's thoughts, concepts, and ideas that they're scary. And then we, like Miss Cindy said a couple of months ago, we make that covenant with fear and we say, I can't do that. And it's God. And we say, I can't do that. And all the time the enemy is bringing thoughts and all the time God is bringing thoughts. And we need to choose whose thoughts we are going to allow in here to come into our heart to manifest through our life. So Jesus says, well, James writes here, he says that you cannot contain the tongue, but the Holy Spirit through you can. Verse 15, it's not on there, I thought of this later. It says, uh, it's talking about two kinds of wisdom. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. 
But if you have bitter envy, self-seeking in your hearts, in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. So it starts here with a thought, self-seeking. I deserve that. They don't deserve that. It starts here. And now you meditate. Well, I did all that work. They shouldn't get the promotion. That should be for me. Why are all the people clapping for them? That, and it's a thought that starts here. And now instead of saying, no, 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 no. Praise God that they got the promotion. Lord, bless them in Jesus' name because you have something so good for me that no man can take. You see, jealousy is such an amazing thing because if you really realize that Ephesians 2 verse 10 is true, which it is, that you never ever have to worry about someone else getting a promotion because there's a promotion for you that nobody can take because God has planned that for you before the foundation of the earth. So why should you get jealous if someone takes a promotion that you thought was yours? That's ridiculous. The enemy, his thought, now you start meditating, they shouldn't have now, and now it says, don't speak, don't take that in your heart and lie against the truth. What is the truth? Praise God you got a promotion. That's phenomenal because I know my God has something for me that only I can do and nobody can take that away from me. Because promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from God. So bless you in your promotion. If you need help and I can do anything to make your job even better, just let me know. I'd love to be there for you. That's wisdom from above. But it goes on. It says, the, um, do not boast against the, the truth if you have self-seeking and bitter envy. L- listen here, James says, this wisdom... This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. He calls it wisdom. How many people are dealing in demonic wisdom? How many people are walking around calling it wisdom? It's absolutely not from God. It's wisdom from hell. It's hellish wisdom. And you'll hear people say, man, they did what to you? Oh! They, how could they do that to you, man? They deserve to be... They, and that's wisdom from hell. And it starts here. It starts with that little thought. Just that little, oh, how could they? Not you. Oh, why would they? Take every thought captive that doesn't line up with the Word of God. But now James goes on. He says, for where there is envy and self-seeking... There is confusion in every evil work. Do you know what every evil work is? Poverty, fear, sickness and disease, where there's that self-seeking, I must have my way, I'm right, it's my way or the highway. Don't do that. That's wisdom from hell. You're just opening the door wide open for these things to come into your life. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Yes, my sister. She's younger than me as well. But I will humbly lay myself down and... But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, 
full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And we have the Holy Spirit to guard our mouth so that every word we speak lines up with those five or six characteristics. It's full of mercy. There's no hypocrisy in that. It's peaceable. It's willing to yield. Oh my goodness, I'm wrong. Man, I didn't see that. You know, all my life I thought this was the way, but you've shown me. Thank you so much for that. Who wouldn't want that when someone comes to you and says, man, you know, you're actually thinking this, but it's wrong. Just do this. And the enemy will come and say, who are they to tell you? They don't know. Don't. And that's wisdom from below. Instead, the wisdom from above is to say, man, I never saw that. Thank you for opening my eyes. I receive that. Willing to yield. Okay, so here we have the Holy Spirit that is able to do that for us. In Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, verse 7, let's go there. Look what God says. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. You and I today have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, so we forsake our our thoughts and we think on what he tells us here. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Look here. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So God says, when you get those thoughts, your thoughts, abandon them. Come back to the Lord. Think upon my thoughts. Think upon my ideas. Think upon my concepts. And then when you speak those back to me, because heaven, we pray, comes here to earth, when you speak those back, they will not return to me void but they will accomplish my good pleasure. My good pleasure is for you, my child, to be healed. Speak my word of healing. My good pleasure is for your family to be in so much peace and loving each other and just having the wonderful time of your life. Speak about your family. What I say in heaven is a family. Speak about, I want you to prosper financially. I want you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. Speak about the blessing. Call the blessing. I want you to lay down your, speak. Look at Jesus laying down his life. And, and this is what he's saying here in the old covenant. When that thought, when your thought, when the enemy's thought comes, don't speak it, don't take it, throw it out. But speak and think upon my thoughts, what I say, because my ways are higher. My kingdom rules and reigns over all. So when that negative, bad thought comes, don't take that thought. Don't allow it to fester in your mind. Let's go to the last little bit here. Mark chapter 16, verse 19 to 20. Because people pray for God to do so many things. And so many things or so many prayers that people pray God cannot do because it goes against His Word. 
and we'll look here. He has a, a little key that, that, that the word gives us. It says, And so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. But look there at the word them. Can you see that's in italics? Because now people can take that verse and they say, you see the Lord working with them. The first disciples and apostles, the Lord apostles, the Lord worked with them. Back in those days, he's not working anymore. The Bible says, but them should not be in this text. Take it out. It's in italics. This is how it should read. The Lord working with and confirming the word. The Lord working with and confirming the word. So many people are praying for God to confirm something that's not his word. But when we speak the word, he only confirms one thing, the word. And when we speak the word, his word, it will be confirmed. So we can't pray something that is not the word, because he cannot confirm that. That's why it says in Isaiah 55, my thoughts, my words, say these things, it can't return void. That will happen. But when you put your opinions, your ideas, your intellect in there, I I can't confirm that, I'm sorry. But when you put my words in your mouth, I will be with you and confirm the word with the signs and wonders so that everybody can see, wow, this is truly true. So, speak the word, because that is what I can confirm. Nothing else. Okay. So, that's how fear comes into our life. It's through a thought, it's through an idea, it's through something. And many, many times what brings that is, we, we, we said two weeks ago in Proverbs 4, it says, guard your heart above all things. Because out of your heart are the issues of life. And so many people, Christians, who sit in church Sunday after Sunday, they will go and and not even think twice about watching the most horrific movies. R-rated movies. You know, there's blood, there's violence, there's sex, there's swearing. It's very, very, very seldom that you can literally go and find a movie without people swearing, without nudity, without death and murder and hate and lust and all of that in it. And people watch that and watch that and watch that and they don't guard their heart. And now that is coming in, coming in, coming in, and all of a sudden it's just going to slip out and you're going to think, oh my goodness, where did that come from? It's been allowed into your heart. It's been allowed. Guard your heart. It says Jesus said, do not take a thought, but sitting watching a movie or watching a television program where they're doing all that, it's just trash in, trash out. The music, the songs that we listen to where they talk about lust and, you know, doing this and doing that and all of that, trash in, trash out. So that's why Jesus says, don't take your thoughts. Take my thoughts because I can confirm that. And we need to remove that which is not of God and replace it with that which is Him because then we will see the results. We know He's true. We know He's alive and real. But there's a dying world out there that doesn't. 
And the only way they're going to see him is through you and I. The only way they're going to know what we know today is if they see him through our lives. So let us get rid of that in our hearts, which is not of him, and say, man, we want everybody to know what we know because he is just that good. Every thought that doesn't line up with the word of God, take it captive, don't let it fester. If you have a dream and it's not of God, it's not you, just smile, let it go and say, thank you, Lord, that that is not me anymore. It's not what I'm thinking on. That's not what I lie in bed dreaming up. It's obviously from the enemy. Thank you that I'm clean. Thank you that I'm washed. Thank you that my thoughts are pure and holy. And thank you for the God that is watching over every single word that I speak because death and life are in the power of my tongue. And I will eat the fruit of the words that I speak. So, do not allow fear because Jesus says, Fear not. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you came and you showed us how a man should live without fear. How a man should live in covenant with his Father. You, Abba, Father God, knowing that you lead, you guide, you direct through your precious, gentle, Holy Spirit. Thank you that we have the authority to use our minds to paint pictures on our imagination of your will, which is good, which is whole, which is pure, which is love, which is light. And anything that would come into the imagination, Lord, of our minds that does not line up with anything that is of you, we have the authority to say, no, get out. You do not belong here. I'm a child of the King. I've been bought with the most highest price imaginable. Thank you for your blood that washes away, Lord, that which is not of you. That blood that has made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus so that we may think your thoughts, so that we may come into your presence and hear from you what to say about circumstances and situations. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body on the cross, the stripes on your back that has made us whole in every area of our life. We bless you, Lord. We praise you. We give you all the glory and the honor. We love you. Yes, we love you. And we are not ashamed to be called children of God. We praise your name this day. Thank you for your protection over us, Lord, that you would bring us back next week we may learn more about you and become more like Jesus, the love of our souls. Everything that we ask, we do so in the name of Jesus Christ. If you have any prayer requests, any prayer needed, we have prayer ministry team in front of you that would love to pray with you and bring heaven down to earth in your circumstance and situation. For the rest of you, be blessed, have a wonderful week, and see you next Sunday.
Patient with me. 